Dig a Bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Hi, we are so glad that you're with us today. We are digging today in 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're in month 9 of our Digging Deep study, and we are studying faith escaping by faith with our passage of course being first corinthians ten thirteen, that tells us that there is no temptation taken us but such as is common to man that is that our trials and our temptations are common to all people of all eras and that god is faithful to provide a way so that we can overcome every trial or every temptation with which we're faced in this life We're going to be talking about Goliath and David and Saul today from 1 Samuel 17. And you had a couple of questions in in our lesson about that this month. But we are going to be looking at a little bit different perspective. And I'm very excited today. This is a special time because I'm coming to you from... Let's see. I think I'm in Orange Park, Florida, (laughs) and I have, and there are three of us today, and this is the very first time we've had a dig a bit with, in the plural, and with us today, we have Rebecca Colley, who is my daughter-in-law. Hello. And we are very glad that that we're here. We have also my granddaughters with her. <laughs> She's not born yet, but she is with us today, little Maggie. And I'm getting to be down in Florida this, uh, I guess I've been here five days maybe, and we have been working on a nursery. And tomorrow we're going to have a baby shower, and it's very exciting for me to get to be here. And also, Rebecca's mom is here, my good friend Debbie Mineson. Hello. And that is, that makes three of us. We're a team today. and Yeah, four. And we're a team today, and we made uh, little Darcy, the dog, and Caleb go in the bedroom. So it's the three of us here today talking about David and Goliath. And this is a little, this is an account from the Bible that's very powerful, but very, very well known. Your children, if they are, I dare say, if they are, two or above they've already had this account in their bible school classes and they can probably sing a song that starts out only little boy david only a babbling brook only little boy david and five five little stones he took yes and so you you probably have already had your children sing that song to you and there are very valuable lessons that we take about our faith in God from this chapter. So let's dig in. When we find, I'll go ahead and introduce it. When we find God's people in 1 Samuel chapter 17, and if we look at verse 11, we find out that they are greatly afraid and very dismayed. Wow, that's a rhyme in my Bible. (laughs) Dismayed and greatly afraid. And what what does your version say there in verse 11? It says they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Okay, Okay. so um, 
what is it that can make God's people, the people that are on the right team, dismayed and greatly afraid? That's what we're going to talk about today. Why were they afraid? And why were they, uh, I'm going to say, shaking in their boots here in 1 Samuel chapter 17? And what was it that they needed to remember in order to replace that fear with trust and obedience? So I think we can get a pretty good idea of why they were so afraid when we read about their foe, Goliath, and we read about the description of him beginning in verse Four and let's read on from um, verse four all the way down through verse eight. Debbie, you want to read that for us? Sure. And a champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze, and he had bronze armor on his legs and bronze javelin between his shoulders. Now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his iron spearhead weighed six hundred shekels, and a shield-bearer went before him. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. Okay, so that sounds pretty big and bad, huh? It does. Um, I think what strikes me when we're thinking about what we need to understand how to defeat what is powerful and what is fearful to us is in verse 26. It says, then David spoke, this is when David comes on the scene, and I'm skipping ahead a little bit. It says, then David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? And so David was motivated by his zeal. You know, he was angry about what was being done to God, and it seems like no one else had quite thought that far about the situation. Okay, so what they're thinking about so far is, and let's camp out here just for a minute, the, I'm going to say, bigness and badness <laughs> of this giant. And when we read this description of him, before we jump ahead to how they reacted to him, we read that um, he, was, he was big. So if we are talking about a cubit, how much was a cubit? Who knows, you know? I don't know, but here I think he was almost 10 feet tall. Is that yeah. correct? So a Cubits, elbow to to fingertip, right? Okay, and most people say that in the average man, that would be about a foot and a half. Mm -hmm. So when we say six of those, uh, six times one and a half would be nine, and then there was some extra there too. So this guy's about 10 feet tall. And it's not only just about his um, stature, it's also about his weaponry. And she read a pretty good bit about his weaponry. And not only was it all the bronze helmet and uh, the armor that he personally had on his body, but didn't you read, Debbie, that he had another man with him? Yes. I think somebody yes. who was bearing a uh, shield bearer, bearer yes. went before him. Uh huh. Some, yes. Someone then standing out in front of him with a shield as well as, a, you know, really in-depth description of some pretty daunting armor that he had on so sometimes those who would like us to disobey or to fail in our trust of God are 
pretty big and pretty strong when we look at them outside of the lens of looking through our faith in God. When we just put our humanity up against the foes that we face in this world, sometimes those foes seem pretty big. And sometimes we even call those, if we're studying in Exodus, we call them the pharaohs of this world that are so big and bad and sometimes if we're studying here in first samuel 17 we ask the question well what are some of the goliaths that we face in the world today any ideas about what things in our culture would seem to us to be if we're if we're not looking through the lens of god would seem to us to be formidable enemies of our christianity of our faith we were talking about this earlier today that we feel like sometimes the media wants us to think that the people who are against God, there's so many of them. There's so many more of mm-hmm. them. So many more people who are buying into the agendas of the world. And then when you really look at statistics, it's really not. We're not outnumbered. They're just sometimes louder than we are. When we think about um, agendas like the homosexual agenda or um, the Abortion. Abortion abortion comes to mind because that seems to be something that is presented to us like that's just something that everyone accepts. Maybe every family in the world's had yes. an abortion, yes. and that's not really true. Right. Um, I was also thinking of uh, those people who don't believe in God. You know, in our in our world, I'm not talking about worldwide, but I'm talking about in the United States of America. You know, we we hear statistics about the faith failing, but still the vast majority of people around us do believe in God. And sometimes the media would like for us, and the media would like to make Christianity sound like uh, something that is based on ignorance of science, and that's that's certainly not the case either. Um, any more any more thoughts about things around us? I, I think feminism is one. I think oh, it's yes. a a huge um, example. It's it's a great example of how um, it is embarrassing the media would like for us to be very embarrassed to even use words like submit obey reverence our husbands as the new testament clearly teaches us in titus chapter 2 and first peter 3 and ephesians 5 and colossians 3 those passages are so clear to us but wow our world really wants us to be embarrassed to use the word husband and obey in the same sentence don't you think yes very much so and and then i was also thinking about just entertainment Mm. the whole world everyone watches that movie and everyone gets into whatever the in thing Mm. is at the time and that's just accepted and if Mm. you're different then and some of those things and debbie while we're talking about this um even this week your kids and I you just got here late last night well early this morning technically (laughs) yeah she was on a on a flight that came in I don't know one o'clock or something almost one o'clock yeah okay so even earlier this week Caleb and I were talking about how that um and and he was just being funny and said that he and Becca will find think about movies and mention things that well my mom never let me watch that when I was growing up and she'll and Becca will say neither did my mom and he was just saying how um great it is that you know there are still families and many families in the kingdom who 
don't buy into the fact that just because it's out there and just because Hollywood produces it, we have to go and watch it. And so, but I, it is an awfully, um, oh, the peer pressure about entertainment in our world today, especially when I think about some current movies right now where it's just like, when are you going to see it? Not are you going to see it, but when are you going to see it? And it is something that's not even appropriate for Christians to ever see. And so... And that really doesn't end when you get older because just this week when I had my hair done, my beautician was talking about some reference to a movie called Dumb and Dumber, which I've never seen. Mm-hmm. I just told her I'd never seen it, and she was just shocked. And I'm like, I'm like, she was dumbfounded. Yes, Becca, thank you. But there's just a lot of movies like that we've just never ever watched, and so I don't get all those references that well, people talk about. I have a silly illustration I'll share with y'all, but I spoke, we spoke at a Purity Day last weekend, and I used this in my lesson, but about a year ago, um, we, I got hit in the nose extremely hard, and it was a total accidental thing, and I didn't go to the emergency room because my nose wasn't bleeding, and so I knew it wasn't broken, and I've been hit in the nose so many times growing up, like, balls and walls and heads like I just always get hit in the nose I don't know what it is so when I got hit this time it was really bad but it never occurred to me to go to the emergency room because it had happened to me so many times Um, and then I finally about a week later wasn't any better so I finally went and I had concussion symptoms and the doctor could not believe that I hadn't gone in she was like why have you not come into the emergency room Well, it's because it was so commonplace. And I think that's how our entertainment is right now, is that even in the church, you know, culture has told us this is so commonplace. This is so okay. And we've desensitized ourselves to sin so much that for some reason we think it's normal when for Christians, you know, watching those kind of things are not normal at all. Shouldn't be. That's so good. And there are all kinds of phrases that people throw out there about, um, about entertainment that it, it doesn't affect me well you know as a man thinks in his heart so is he or you know just because I see it doesn't mean I'm going to do it well that's not the point the point is you know are you um, going to fill your mind with the kinds of things that Philippians 4 8 prescribes or are you choosing to fill your mind with things that are oppositional to that um couldn't find anything else on used to hear that you know a lot but now of course we have all the is it Tebow and all those kind of things we do but um another one is um well I can't influence people in the world if I don't know what they're talking about have we really come to the point in the world where we don't have anything to talk about except the entertainment industry you know that is just um that is just crazy to use that um and and besides that what kind of lord were you, are you intending on bringing them to are you intending on bringing them to the pure and holy and sanctified lamb of god or is it some kind of convoluted um dumbed down um version of christianity that is except where sin is acceptable uh, we have to think about the end result of of our actions with regard to evangelism. 
Um, I was just going to add, uh, speaking about evangelism, but the most recent poll says that 83% of Americans identify as Christians. And this doesn't mean by any stretch that 83% of Americans are living as Christians, but I just bring that up because our evangelism is so hindered by these giants, by thinking that we're so outnumbered that nobody's going to listen to us. You know, that's what we hear all the time when we talk about evangelism is, well, no one's going to listen. You know, I try and nobody listens. Well, but if 83% of Americans at least believe in God, then there's 83% of people who will at least, you know, give you their ear for a moment. So we can't let that giant of a that giant lie keep us from evangelism or at least 83 percent of people already have some frame of reference for you to speak speak about they have something in common with us in that they would describe them self-describe themselves with that word christ in there somewhere so what do you think about christ as a good way to to begin that and you're right that um all of these things are so good when we're thinking about the um the giants that seem big and strong and sometimes the media likes to blow those up onto some sort of a giant screen that really intimidates us um verse eight we read and debbie already read that he stood and cried to the armies of israel and said why are you come out to set your battle in array am not i a Philistine and you are servants to Saul choose a man for you and let him come down to me that was such an attempt at taunting and intimidation there this Philistine is saying I am a giant Philistine and you are just little servants to Saul now and it was working I mean, because no one was going out. None of the Israelites were going out to meet him. So yeah. his his attempt was working. His intimidation tactics were working. And when you think about um, the fact that he says, you are merely servants to Saul. And really at this time, uh, you know, we're about to have David come onto the scene to check on his brethren. And really at this time, it was kind of, um, I guess it was discouraging to think about the leader of their army being Saul because do you remember what had just happened to Saul in a, a couple of chapters before what had happened just just right before this well he hideously disobeyed and gave every excuse for why you know he should have disobeyed and why it made sense to him but he was told that he'd have the kingdom torn from him And that's because he was commanded to kill. It was the Amalekites, wasn't it? He was commanded to kill um, all of them, utterly destroy them. And remember, he brought back um, some of the best sheep. And he, his claim was that he brought them back to sacrifice them. And you know, he gave an excuse for his disobedience. And he brought back the king as well. And at that time. the kingdom was taken from him Samuel let him know that he would uh, not his the kingdom wouldn't pass down to his sons but rather another one would be anointed and at this time um, I believe David had already been anointed yeah in in chapter I guess late in chapter 15 or early in chapter 16 yeah chapter 16 David had been anointed so we're in the very next chapter so it must have been a little disconcerting it wasn't the things that Saul did weren't done in a corner this was a battle where everyone was and they had seen him disobey God and I'm not sure that they all uh, would grasp the concept of 
him uh, of the kingdom being actually ripped from him at this point but you know we're we're around the time when we're going to start hearing the song Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed his ten thousands and so you know when this big giant was saying you are merely just the servants of Saul that was disconcerting but totally inaccurate why was it inaccurate they were not the servants of Saul because they really were the servants of the living God. The living God, right. Okay. Well, and I'm so, so sorry I jumped ahead earlier to no, that. Okay. Um, but verse 8, it seems like David is the first one who doesn't buy in to Saul's taunting of, um, am I not the Philistine and you servants of Saul? David seems to be the first one who disregards that and says, you know, well, we're a servant of the living God, and that's the charge he's going to give mm-hmm. to Goliath later on. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And here, also, in the same context, if we read on down, uh, let's see, Becky, go ahead and read. We're in, we read through eight. Let's go ahead and read nine and ten right now and talk just a little bit about the defiance that's in Goliath. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Okay, well, that word defy there, I looked up that Hebrew word, and really it means to strip. The literal um, definition of it is to strip. So to lay bare, to, um, you know, to, to make volatile is really kind of the literal meaning, but the, the figurative meaning is to carp at or to defame. So he was really just trying to... Uh, strip away any confidence that the that the Israelites had there when he said um, in verse 10 I defy the armies of Israel this day Uh, a modern day phrase I think we use it similar is to say you gave someone a good dressing down you know you chewed them out you put them down you made them look small I think that's kind of a modern day Mm. equivalent to what we're and he was psychologically manipulating um, them. And I don't know if he had been trained in this, but he was making his not only his presence known, but he was, he was really making fun of them, giving them a dressing down and saying, you're nothing. That's really um, his point there. He was, he was being defiant, and we even have the word defy there. Now, is there a difference in some kinds of sin and defiant sin who has something about that that you'd like to say okay i sorry i didn't mean to interrupt i i guess the biggest example to me in the new testament is the difference between specifically Pilate and the Jews. And I just want to start back oh go ahead. Now this is an example of defiant Yes. Sin, okay. So the Jews are the ones in the defiant sin, and Pilate is more in a sin of ignorance. And I think Jesus gives this, um, you know, Jesus says this in John 19, but we'll get there in just a second. But just really briefly, the first time we really see the ugliness of the Pharisees is in Mark 3, verse 22, when they say, they look at Jesus, and they say, the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, he's possessed by Beelzebul, and he casts out the demons by the ruler of the demons. So they are so defiant against God himself when they see 
the miracles that he's able to do, the message that's been confirmed, and they call him Satan. And then another example of this is after the resurrection, the guards come to them and they say, um, they reported what had happened. And they the, the Jews do not argue with them. It says, and when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, you are to say, his disciples came by night and stole them away while we were asleep. But they never, ever, ever deny that it happened. They never deny that the resurrection happened. They just say, well, let's bribe these guards so that they won't tell the truth and it's just so obvious that they know what's going on they know jesus is a prophet there's no doubt in their mind that at the very least that he's a prophet and more so that he's able to raise himself from the dead that he is the son of god and yet they openly defy him but then jesus gives this judgment in john 19 starting in verse 10 it says so pilate said to him you do not speak to me this is when jesus is on trial before pilate says, do you not know that I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. For this reason, he who delivered me to you has the greater sin. So Jesus is not, you know, saying that Pilate has no sin in the matter, but he is kind of giving the judgment that the one who's willfully sinned, the one who's purposely put Jesus into the hands of Pilate, which could either be Judas or the chief priests, he's the one with the greater sin. I love what she's, the point that she's bringing to us now is in regard to the building up to and the execution of the greatest injustice that has ever occurred in the history of mankind. And what she's telling us here from scripture is that clearly the cru Although we understand that the crucifixion of Jesus was definitely um, providentially prescribed, planned, happened, occurred because of our sin, and and God, it wasn't ever you know a plan B that had to um, be created because the cross happened. The cross happened on purpose, but at the same time, from the human standpoint the standpoint of the deliverance of Jesus and the crucifixion of Jesus, those people who, who crucified Jesus, the Jews, the Pharisees, the chief priests at that time, did it knowing that he was the Son of God, knowing full well that, that the miracles had occurred. In fact, the uh, defining or turning point, I guess the uh, they already had decided that they were defiant. But in John 11, obviously, this man who had been in the grave for four days came forth. And from that moment, they were determined to get him on the cross, even though they saw the evidence and they knew. And as she's demonstrated from these passages, it was not any sin of ignorance that put Jesus on the cross as far as those chief priests and Pharisees were concerned. It was a defiant rebellion against evidence that was very clear. Is that what you're, is that where you're coming from? And the, in the book of, we kind of talked about this earlier this week, in the book of John, that is clearly manifested from, what was that about chapter 4? Five, about chapter 5 that we were looking at earlier this week in another class that Becca was teaching and 
from chapter 5 on through the book of John, we see that it was a clear, defiant conspiracy to get Jesus on the cross, even though they knew that he had performed the miracles and that he was from God. He was the son of the Father. Does anybody have anything to add to that? Um, what were you looking at a while ago that we, you mentioned something about Agrippa, did you? Yeah, I was, uh, I was just thinking about different people in the New Testament who stood up in the face of giants, you know, mm-hmm. of scary people. And uh, before I talk about just a few of those really, really briefly, Jesus has the key to all of this. He says, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. And all of us can have that kind of idea in our minds that, you know, sin is alive on the earth just because God has allowed it to be for now. And he's going to put all of that away soon. And so it's this idea that, you know, we're able to stand up against people because we know God has the ultimate authority. Um, But some other people who understand this are Peter and the other apostles in Acts chapter 5. Um, And this one, you know, everyone knows this verse, we must obey God rather than men. But they stood before the high priests and before the council, probably the same people who put Jesus to death. And they were just happy to say, you know, uh, we must obey God rather than men. Yeah, and they weren't, this wasn't just um, something that they came up with in chapter 5 when we look at Acts chapter 3 through 5 and we really see what happened I mean they were beaten and told to stop teaching and you know they were miraculously uh, let out of prison and they they couldn't find them well where are they you know and they're in the temple teaching again it was just Acts 3 through 5 when you look at the boldness there that kept surfacing over and over and over again you understand that they were Davids, and we're going to talk about David saying is they're not a cause, but they had a cause, and nothing was going to stop them from the proclamation of, of the gospel there. Yeah, it wasn't without threat. You know, by chapter 5, they had already, as you said, been beaten and put in prison, and they were still happy to speak for Jesus. But then we were also talking about Paul against Agrippa. And Agrippa was a powerful person. He's someone who would have been so intimidating. And Paul is happy to just give, you know, to give the, um, what he believed, to give about Jesus, to give his personal story about how he met Jesus Christ. But not only that, he evangelized in the middle of it. He was begging Agrippa to become a Christian. He says, King Agrippa, Agrippa, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? He says, I know you do. And Agrippa replied to Paul, in a short time, you will persuade me to be a Christian. And Paul said, I wish to God that whether in a short time or a long time, not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. So Paul had another key to standing up in the face of Uh, giants is that they have souls too these giants have souls and jesus christ has the power to win those souls that's so powerful i was just going to say one point in all this to remember is uh, goliath had been out there daily for like 40 days and so they had all been listening the israelites had been hearing that david comes on the scene and he hasn't been listening to that so if we keep our focus off of what the world is telling us about how we are outnumbered and how we don't have the truth and all the things that the world tells us and we keep our eyes on God, then we have a much better uh, chance and of standing up to what the world is telling us. Right. The world wears us down. 40 days of 
I'm a Philistine and you're just a servant of Saul and there's nobody brave enough to come and fight me wears us down. And so I, I would think the key to that would be being in the word a lot more than we're on Facebook or a lot more than we're watching television or a lot more than we're at the movies. I think being in the word is the real key. And of course, I, I know we're kind of as the old folks said, preaching to the choir here because we're talking to people who are doing digging deep. But getting into the Word is going to keep uh, that, oh, that constant erosion, I think is what we're saying, of, you know, over and over and over hearing that not only are the Goliaths of the world big and bad, but they are many. And when we hear that over and over and over again without the fortitude that comes from looking at Paul in the face of Agrippa and looking at, um, you know, Peter and the rest of the apostles in 3 through 5, and even in Acts 2. I mean, they were eyeball to eyeball with the people who had crucified Jesus in Acts 2. They were some pretty, uh, there were daunting Goliaths in that audience in Acts 2 when the church was established, and yet there was no mincing of the words in their voices and I know they had the reinforcement of the miraculous Holy Spirit that day but just to look at those people and say you know rest assured we know that you have crucified and you have that same Jesus that you have crucified is both Lord and Christ and they they were boldly standing up against that Goliath I don't want to say too much on this point but one thing I'd like to say to anybody especially young mothers because I look back when um, my kids were young it's okay I'm not I'm not saying put your head in the sand and don't know what's going on in the world I'm not I'm not saying that but it's okay to not spend all your time on world events and all the terrible things that are happening because that can be scary and that gets your mind off of what you're supposed to be paying attention to and that gets your focus off of God and it does make you doubt and it does make you scared and so you really need to make sure you're spending time in the word more than you're paying attention to any news or any radio or anything and like I said I'm not saying don't don't pay attention to world events but it's okay to not yes yes because I can't I can't do that I just I learned that quite a few years ago I cannot focus on everything bad that's going on all the time it it wears me down exactly I think she said she uh you know knows it's okay if you know who the president is and that there's a problem over in North Korea (laughs) but you know to listen to and, and that is just you know I don't want to boil it down to something simpler than it is but we need to spend more time in the word than we're spending with the media every day and just you know if we be if I mean, that's a start, at least, to just be sure that that's an easy equation to think about and and to feel. So I wanted to okay. Oh, I was just going to say one more thing. Y'all are going to think I'm radical or I'm harping on entertainment choices. But even when we're, you know, listening to good entertainment, good music, good TV shows, things that aren't, you know, portraying sin, we're still making those people our companions and evil companions corrupt good morals and even if i'm listening to a song that's not necessarily sinful if we're constantly putting that stream of other people's thoughts and worldly views on love and worldly views on relationships etc if we're constantly putting that into our heads it is going to corrupt our morals and so just backing off like mom said of media 
but also just our entertainment. Like we really need to take a step back and stop constantly streaming the world into our heads. Um, I have been talking with some people who's um, sadly whose marriages are failing and um, one of those people recently said some things to me that were you know sort of sort of melodramatic or um, I don't know sort of um, I guess told me that um, that she understood that that it was very sad that the marriage was falling apart and that she was full of uh, sadness and loneliness and sorrow but not necessarily devastated because of sin that had occurred and and in that same context she um, sent me a a part of a I guess a, a song that you hear on the radio right now and and sometimes if we listen to the melodrama of of what broken love is about and how we're supposed to uh, you know be sorrowful when over love lost and we fail to look at the real tragedy behind love lost so many times is sin and I, I know a friend of mine today commented on the royal wedding over in um, in London today, and she was, you know, a lot of Christians were commenting on a lot of different things, and um, and while we were commenting on these these things, and I I really don't know what the situation is about the former marriage of the. Of, it's Megan, is that right? I think it's Megan. I, I really don't. I didn't know she'd been married before either until today. But, you know, someone commented, but should we really just be all up in the air excited about this when it looks like that she really probably didn't have a, a biblical right to be in this marriage without sinning? And I don't know. I'm not um, passing a judgment on this because I, I guess, uh, like uh, Miss Deb was saying, I'm. I'm probably so disconnected from the news that I don't even know what's <laughs> correct about that but the point is that we need to be really careful that we're just not rejoicing at what the world's rejoicing in and um, all caught up in the drama of what the world's talking about necessarily or um, that we are not uh, you know we don't have to be sad at everything the world's sad about because sometimes things that the world might be sad about God might be happy about what our standard is is the word and again let's just say Bible study Bible study personal Bible study is so very important and some of this goes back to and I'll bring it back try to bring it back to David so we can keep going we're going to uh off track I guess but um being like a little child you know little children don't know everything that's going on they don't know all of the bad things they don't know all of the pop culture things that are going on and that's what we see of David is that he was I guess so young he was handsome it says you know he was a good looking person but there's something about his visual appearance that made Samuel completely overlook him when he goes to anoint him um I think that's probably because he was so young he was the youngest of all of them and so here he comes in a childlike manner before the Philistines and he everyone else has you know they they're in the world and they're wise and they know what's going on and they know how dangerous Goliath is and yet 
David's just the little kid who comes on the scene and says, you know what? Who is he to taunt the armies of the living God? And that's how I want to be. I don't want to be anymore the person who is, you know, all up on the media, all up on everything that's going on. We just need to be like these little children that just come on the scene and see it just from the pure biblical standpoint. And here's what he said in verse 34. David said to Saul, your servant kept his father's sheep. And there came this lion and this bear, listen to that childlike (laughs) spirit, and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Now, verse 36 is so key because here's the difference in sin of ignorance and defiant sin. Your servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. I love that because here he's saying, you know, I'm not worried about this because God's delivered things into my hands before. God's in charge here. And he has defied, not me, not the army of Saul, but he has defied the living God. And and it's just like David's saying, we can take care of this because we have God on our side. And when, uh, you know, my little grandson's three, and when they, uh, I'm going to say in quotes, play David and Goliath at Bible time at night, you know, he puts his foot on top of his daddy's chest. His daddy's falling down on the floor because he's pretending he's Goliath. And he says, I came in the name of the living God. And that is exactly what David is doing here. He is saying, you know, stop carping at, stop defaming, because you're not talking to the servants of Saul. You are talking to the servants of the living God in verse 36. And then I love the question. Let's back up to to uh, 29. Now we, we've got this brother named Eliab. And Miss um, Deb, go ahead and read 28 and 29 because we've got this person who should be in the right camp, but he is, um, he is a discouragement, a definite discouragement to David. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Okay, so... Eliab was part of the enemy here. Yes. He should have been part of the of the God camp. The, he should have been saying, yes, there's a cause. Yes, we are the servants of God. But instead, what kind of um, accusations was he making against the one who was going to stand for right? Mm-hmm. In typical fashion, he was the older brother, very annoyed at his younger brother coming on the scene and seeing the truth that he was missing. Yeah. And he said, you're full of insolence and you're full of pride. Look at you. You're who do you think you are that you're going to come down here? And and um, David then says this question is is really key. What do you what do you have against me? Is there not a cause? When we understand that we are in a cause that is great because it is not because it's something that we invented or created or that man defines as great but we're in a cause that's great because it's the cause of jehovah god then that gives us great resolve for obedience there's a difference between saul and david 
Saul is, is uh, and we see this in verse 33 and verse 37. 33 says something that Saul said to David. What did Saul say to David in 33? Then Saul said to David, You are not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth, while he has been a warrior from his youth. So not only is Eliab in the wrong camp, but the king of Israel here is in the wrong camp, and he says, You're not able to fight against him. You're just a young man, and he's a man of war from his youth. But there is a difference in Eliab and Saul and David. David, the key to David's um, bravery is in, in a trusting and obedient heart is in verse 37. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just look at this part and, and David saying, is the truth not living or dying for? Just like we know that Jesus is worth living and dying for. And when we kind of circling back to what we were talking about earlier, when we get to heaven, we're really not going to care if we've seen the latest blockbuster movie or if we chose not to because it wasn't the best thing to watch. None of that's going to matter. Is this not a cause worth giving up whatever you have to give up for? Or what our Eliabs in the church have said about whether or not we saw it. You know, it's not going to matter if they thought that we were, you know, sometimes our word instead of insolent or prideful is somebody say, oh, you're just holier than thou because you didn't go watch that movie. And we could take a long time to talk about the phrase holier than thou, but, you know, it's not going to really matter, is it? Because there was a cause. And so Saul in verse 33 said, um, you are not able to go against this Philistine. You're just a, a youth. But David said, it's not about me, in verse 37, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with thee. So that's a contrast there. Um, Saul was obviously looking at the outward appearance of David, the youthfulness of David. He wasn't looking at the cause and the originator of deliverance in verse 37. So 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13 is our, is our passage here. It's our overriding passage, of course, through this study. But in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, we have it there that the Lord is going to make a way. And David had that firmly. He had seen it with the lion. He had seen it with the bear. He did not have any illusions that he had the power to go up against any of the Goliaths or Philistines around him. But he attributed that the power of deliverance to God himself and thus he was faithful and trusting and obedient what else and that happens to us too the longer we live as a Christian I mean I've never been delivered from a bear or lion but you can look back at your life and see all the times that God's delivered you and you know that and that that gives you that comfort Mm -hmm. and that same conviction that David had Mm -hmm. I think Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego are in this lesson too and I'm not going to go very long on them but you know what they said was he is able to deliver us but if not and you know if we die standing up for right and i don't personally know anyone in america that's uh that's ever done that in in my lifetime anyway but if we personally stand up for against the goliaths in our society if we did have to die for that would we still win we would. I think sometimes our bigger giants, though, 
some of us would rather die than get embarrassed, you know, or get put on the spot or feel uncomfortable. So maybe our bigger giants are not necessarily facing death, but facing ridicule and discomfort. The taunting, the carping, the defaming is, um, is very real. And so even though there was a, obviously these Eliab thought there was a chance of death here, but (laughs) <laughs> but perhaps it is what we read about in um, in verse, what verse did we start out with where he said, um, I defy, verse 10, that that loud defiance of the world that makes fun of us because we're just little ignorant Christians or we um, are standing for that which is countercultural and we are sometimes uh, described as I'll, I'll just give one example when I was a little girl um, and maybe you've heard me say this before but I was once trying to talk with a person about uh, somebody from middle school I was in middle school and I was trying to talk to this person about the Lord and I said why don't you just come to visit worship with me and this little girl said well who all at school goes and of course she said your church and I began to name some of the people in my Bible school class and this little girl just laughed and said you know I can't believe some of those people you're naming go to church anywhere well you know what those people I I wish I hadn't named them but they were on the wrong side they were the Eliabs Mm -hmm. and they were the ones who um, and you know when I got home I thought about that and I thought those are the people who make fun of me when I do the right thing even though they are in my Bible school class and sometimes it's, you know, it's the people who are among us that we, like the Eliabs among us, that we have to just say, um, you know, there's a cause. And even though you are in this building on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, you know, y- y- you, um, and, and no matter if we articulate this or not, and we should if we can kindly articulate it, but no matter if we do or not, we have to understand that sometimes among us are the voices that would taunt and defame, and sometimes those hurt the most. I'm sure Eliab hurt David more than somebody that he didn't know who was standing out there. He would have discouraged him. Any final comments? Well, just thinking about defiance, the dog has busted out of the room, and Caleb is being defied by the dog, and so I need to go try to tend to that situation, but thank you guys so much for listening, and um, thank you. Ms. Deb, you have anything? Thank you. No, this has been great. Thank you for listening. I think we went a little bit long today, but when there's three women together, you know, we're going to go a little bit long. Yeah, um, we have about another week and a half, I think, still to go in this month nine of our study. We'll have one more dig a bit, and then we will have the uh, podcast, the uh, the video podcast will take place a week from this Tuesday. So that'll be, I think it's about the 28th or something. It's the last Tuesday night of this month, and we'll look forward to being with you then. Thanks so much for joining us, and have a great day. Bye. If you find yourself in Huntsville, Alabama, we'd love for you to worship with us at West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence, 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest. Sunday morning worship begins at 9 a.m., followed by Bible classes for all ages. We meet again at 5 p.m. for evening worship and at 7 on Wednesday night.
Dig a Bit is a production of Digging Deep in God's Word, a Bible study for women. For more information, visit thecolleyhouse.org.